0: What's up, bitches? Happy Monday, and welcome back to another episode of Positively Uncensored. It's your host, Leah, and it's officially fall, y'all. It's fall. Once it hits October, it's full on pumpkin season, prepping for Thanksgiving. Leaves are starting to change, at least here in Jersey let me know what your favorite season is. I happen to love fall. I've loved it since I was a kid and I was in California for almost four or five years. So I've been deprived of seeing the leaves change, feeling the seasons change. And with that, I've forgotten a little bit of the cold that you get. If you're from the Midwest your whole life, If you're used to the seasons changing, you know that little tickle at the back of your throat that you start to get around now and that little bit of a nasal drip, I've got it, but I still love fall. And if you're on TikTok, if you're on social media, let me know if you've seen that trend that's going on right now that's like, it's the first of the month and you like have to post a video of yourself or it's bad luck for the entire month. Um... I'm wondering if this is the new age way of those like chain texts that used to go around. It would be like something scary and you'd be like, send this to five people or this happens to you. And I would always get them and never send them on. I'm like, this is stupid and fuck you for sending this to me and even putting this thought in my head. I think like several times I was tempted to pass it along, but in general... I was not a chain text passer on -er. I think there's two types of people. If you are millennial age, you will remember this. And send me the ones you remember. Like, does anybody remember any of the texts? Because I just remember they were scary and no specifics. I probably blocked it out because I wasn't sending it on. So anyways, it's fall, Monday morning, October 2nd. I love, love, love fall, as I've said already, and it seems like this fall is a heavy season for reality TV shows. I've said it before. I have a list on my Instagram of all the upcoming shows. So if you're kind of wondering what to watch, go head over to Positively Uncensored on Instagram. Check out the schedule of what's coming out. I did forget to add Love is Blind to that. So just know if you're behind on Love is Blind, there are seven episodes for you to watch. Go get caught up. If you have TikTok, go follow me so that you can see my thoughts as you watch. But yes, lots of reality shows. We had our first episode of Golden Bachelor, which did great from what I've seen with viewers tuning in everybody's thoughts and feelings on the first episode. Um, Head over to Bachelor Data on Instagram to see the actual statistics and the numbers broken down. She always does a good job. But we had Golden Bachelor, Bachelor in Paradise. This first episode of Special Forces has come out. Tom Sandoval is on two TV shows. You can recognize him immediately on The Masked Singer. I only watched to see if I could know it's him. And he was he dressed up as, I think, like a squid. But he's like, yeah, I'm the most hated man in America. And to be honest, I can't blame anyone. I want everyone to hear my voice without seeing my face to see how I really sound. And then he sang a song by Journey. So to be fair, he didn't sound horrible. But just we know it's him. We can tell by the way that you dance, the way that you talk. So I'm really not it doesn't it doesn't help me at all um we also had Dancing with the Stars come out and I am rooting for Charity from The Bachelorette love seeing her on this show she killed it she was like the only person the only one of the couples to get an eight this first episode I think so shout out to Charity highest scoring overall Ariana Maddox did a surprisingly great job as well so even if you just fast forward for the people who you know, Dancing with the Stars was a fun, fun watch. Before I get into recapping some of my shows, I want to give a quick shout out to my friend Brie. She has her own podcast, Black Girl Can't Cook. You can find it on Apple Podcasts. You can also find her on Instagram under the same name as the podcast. I'm going to appear as a guest on her podcast. Um, you know, sometime this week when she puts the episode out. I'm really excited. Her podcast is all about uplifting women, you know, body positivity, talking about self-love, and she just has such a calming voice. It's like 30 minutes of pure bliss. She ends with like a movie recommendation. I highly recommend adding this to your weekly podcast listen and stay tuned because I'm going to be a guest. I love When I'm being invited on someone else's podcast, it makes me feel as cool as I hope people feel when I reach out to them. So I'm super excited. Make sure to follow her. She also has a YouTube vlog. So if you're into YouTube, follow her over there. Give all the support and shout out Bree. Love you. She listens to every single episode. So she's a true PU potty. I don't know what to call ourselves. If you guys have any recommendations, what do we call ourselves? We can't just call ourselves the Pod Squad because that's taken. Um, we could call ourselves the Pups Positively Uncensored Podcast, but just not sure if I love it. Let me know. We can brainstorm on this the next few weeks. But like I said, shout out to Bree. I can't wait to appear on there. I've also read and highlighted the things that I want to get through from Set Boundaries find peace chapter two. It seems like everybody really enjoyed chapter one. Anybody who can't afford the book or just doesn't have the time in their schedule to read right now. I got feedback that people enjoyed, you know, hearing my takes and just summarizing it. And I think it's been added to a lot of TBRs. So I'm going to get through that this episode, but let's get into it. I want to start with Golden Bachelor. So what a refreshing show. Like, let's start with that, first of all. Maybe I'm in the minority here, but I just didn't feel as excited for two hours of Bachelor in Paradise with all of the chaos after watching something so pure. Like, Gary's story is emotional, and it's inspiring to see these women put themselves out there. And so in a good way... Golden Bachelor takes a lot out of you and by the time it's over to just flip energies to something chaotic and then it's like the hookup beach and like you know just like a lot younger cast members it's really hard for me to decide if I'm going to be able to watch Bachelor in Paradise. I want to start listening to myself and not watch things that I don't enjoy because then the recaps aren't going to be fun either. There's tons of content out there about plenty of shows. If I don't enjoy watching the show if it feels like work, I'm just going to reserve the right to skip it. So I will give Bachelor in Paradise one more try. To be fair, I love Kylie, I love Olivia Lewis. They had a lot of screen time episode 1. Will, I just don't know anything about. If you head over to that Bachelor Data Instagram post, she will point out that Will had very minimal screen time on whoever seasons he was on. I've already forgotten. So you're just not rooting for him. And it just feels messy. Like Olivia and Kylie, they carried. I love them. Potentially would even still, I still want to have them on my podcast to talk about just Bachelor, Bachelor Nation in general. I'm not sold on the first episode. Um, Rachel even being slightly interested in, he calls himself Ken from charity season. I'm literally struggling to guess his name. Just gives me the ick. So watching Golden Bachelor, back to the plot, it was so refreshing. We didn't get to see a lot of the women for as long as I would like. And I wish that it was two hours of Golden Bachelor and one hour of Bachelor in Paradise for the premiere night, at least. I wish it was reversed because there were lots of amazing women who I was excited to see and... I guess they did an okay job showing the women and, you know, showing us their entrances with having one hour because then they also have to show conversations in the rose ceremony. So I guess they did a decent job. However, there were some women of color who I was so excited to see who they just didn't get a lot of screen time. We don't really know anything about Sylvia. I'm not even sure if she's still there. We saw the black women get sent home like Maria, who was in the red jumpsuit with the glasses. She looked stunning, so cool, and we really barely saw her entrance. I think she danced with Gary for a brief second and then had a couple seconds during the group dance party later on, but she looked so cool. She sounded so fun. We didn't even get to see Natasha's entrance. However, we did get to see the laughing exercise. She is still there, so I'm hoping we get to see more. Um, We did get to see Sandra, thank goodness, because she had a hilarious limo entrance. I'll never forget it. It's, It's amazing me how... And I I don't want to sound ageist, but just how vibrant of entrances they are. It's not like I anticipated them to come out and be dull, but the thought that was put into it, the execution, just how funny they are. It's really refreshing to see women painted in this light and then be so respected by the lead. Marina, we got to see a small moment of. She's still there, thank goodness. But she had a funny conversation with Gary, regarding uh, the lingo that their, you know, grandchildren have taught them. I think that she called him dope, and he said that one of his grandkids said he has riz. So they did a decent job, but it was just, I wish there was more screen time for the women of color. So I have to say that because I did notice it. I am, and I'm not surprised, that Matt James' mom went home night one. Her exit was all about her son. I feel like if she had led with how excited she was to meet Gary and some commonalities between the two of them, or even just more about herself, some sort of gimmick, whatever, it would have been better than just saying that she was Matt James' mom and she believes The Bachelor can work. Because of that, she didn't really stand out to me. However, I guess it's not fair to say that the women who stood out to me stay because I loved Renee. She wore a track suit. She's got the bright blue eyes with the brown hair. And she was like, Gary's tan. He's my man. I can bring you lots of luck because I'm the girl you want to marry. <laughs> and she implies, obviously, the word fuck. Um, it was super funny, lighthearted. She got sent home. I wish I had gotten to see more of her, but this ceremony lasted so long i think from prior seasons we know they go from night until dawn in the morning i think they can film anywhere from 12 to let's say 16 17 hours so i'm sure there was lots and lots of conversations that we didn't get to see and like i said let's be fair they did decent for having an hour I really don't have that many criticisms because I love the show so much. And this isn't a criticism as much as a question, but I do wonder why we couldn't film in the morning. Maybe they wanted everything to be the exact same as other seasons as to not single out Golden Bachelor, but they could have had a couple of differences. It could have started early in the morning or early in the day and you know, ended around 1 a.m., which is still extremely late. I don't even go to things that are past 11. So I can only imagine how hard it is to stay up after you know, 10, 15 years of going to bed early. Also, they just used a regular red rose, which I get it is the running theme of the Bachelor franchise, but why not use golden roses? It just would have been a cool touch. So not very many complaints, but I just feel badly for the women who stayed up all night and then got sent home in their beautiful dresses. And I feel bad that anybody's mom or grandma would have to stay up that late anyways. So... It's emotionally and mentally taxing. I wish that there was just a couple of accommodations made because we are dealing with older women and older bachelor. But overall, I cried. I laughed. I loved it. Let's get into some of my endearing moments. I liked in the beginning how it started. Even the start was sweet. No music, he's standing and getting ready. And he's great looking, by the way. He is a great looking guy. And then all of a sudden he picks up his hearing aids, puts them in, and the music starts. Sweet moment, highlights his age in a nice way, highlights his hearing aids, makes him relatable. Gary, what hearing aids do you use? Is there the beeping, like, when they're close together and the feedback? Because it seems like he has great hearing aids and I want to take note for grandparents. Another sweet moment was Ellen. She I believe was the second woman that at least we saw come out of the limos. She had on a blue dress and she was like, "Roberta, we made it." And, you know, she was there after encouragement from her best friend Roberta, who they had watched The Bachelor together for years. And unfortunately, it ended with Roberta's passing, so in loving memory of Roberta. Um, it was sweet to see this highlighted. Their friendship, her reason for being there, her motivation. I'm not sure if Ellen is informed of her best friend's passing during the show. It looks like Ellen has like a very emotional journey upcoming, so... I would imagine that would add to it if she knew and if she doesn't know what a heartbreaking way to end the show. So I liked Ellen. She looked beautiful. She was endearing. I love Faith coming in on her motorcycle. She's competent. She's capable. Everyone's like, oh, she can't be under 60. I loved the commentary. And then she gets off like a badass, does the hair flip, I just love how they're showing that your prime doesn't stop at 30 or 40 or however old society makes us feel like we stop being wanted, attracted, vibrant, fun, because she is so cool. All of these women are. I love how he speaks of the women. I thought it was very sweet, his cheers in the beginning. And he said that here's cheers to another decade of really good love. He just talks like how you would want to be talked about. Granted, he's older and, you know, a lot of younger men probably aren't talking like this yet. But you get there. You can get yourself a Gary as they age. He's just so sweet, so kind. And saying that the women have inspired him, he's just so good. I love him. They picked a really, really good cast. And going back to Ellen, she said that she's never had, like, a happier day, and she just felt really paid attention to by him because he said, you know, I'm listening to you and I'm interested. And that made me tear up because we women, we are so beautiful. It really doesn't take that much. We just want to be seen. We want to be listened to. We want you to think that we're interesting and that we're not, you know— pulling teeth to get you to want to be involved in what we're thinking. So that was sweet to me, too. Let's talk about people I love. Obviously, everybody loves Edith. She came out looking like a chocolate candy bar wrapped up in gold or Oscar trophy. She just looked so good. Walks out in her gold dress. Her hair is stunning. I love that she's embraced the silver. It's fully silver Her body is giving and she speaks Spanish. She does the confetti thing with him. It didn't feel gimmicky. You know, it was very sweet. She's a top contender. Me and Brie from Brie the Black Sheep, my other friend, we picked her from day one as being a top contender. She stood out to us immediately. If we could give a virtual impression rose, it would probably be to Edith. So I love her. Leslie was fun. She came out with her wig on and her walker. And at first he's like, do you need help? Like so sweet. She's like, does it look like I need help? She's interesting. She was married twice for seven years each marriage. This would be, I don't know, third time's the charm. She has a different story than Gary. So she's interesting. She brings this youthful energy She's hot. Like, I'm going to be honest. She's very good looking. She dated Prince when she was younger and he wrote Sexy Dancer about her. I would be curious if I look who is Sexy Dancer about how many women say that. But for all intents and purposes, Sexy Dancer is written about Leslie from The Bachelor. April stood out in my mind for a couple of reasons. One, her dress low-cut cleavage her boobs look real like it it was great cleavage for her age great cleavage for any age but so the body was giving she was like a little rocket like she did a little dance she shook her ass at him later on we see her make a year 12 month calendar of all april and show it to gary he's like where's february and march non-existent it's all april 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 is she full of herself? Yes. But she is a riot. And she said, three, I've been lucky enough to have three men really love me. Like, she just seems fun. I like her for that aspect. Do I see them being a match? No, I don't. I don't see them being a match. I don't see him and Leslie being a match either and being end game. if I'm going to be honest. So early predictions. So far of the women I like, Edith, I picture going on although there's no clips of her we see clips later on of faith we see ellen we see sandra but there's i didn't see any inkling that april sticks around or edith other women i like the chris jenner i like her just because she's funny i i think that she'll stick around long enough to be invested and then sent home um, she gets out of the limo and she's like, Gary, I'm going to marry you. And her voice just took me out. She made a joke about how she can handle six inches and innuendo in comparison to her heel height. That took me out. Like I said, they're just saying things that I wouldn't expect them to say and going there. And I appreciate that. And then I loved Jeannie. She wasn't given much screen time, very brief, but she said that her mother found love and was married at 70, and I thought that was sweet. I think we see one preview where Jeannie might be in the future, but we don't know much about her. That aspect to me was endearing, and it seemed like Gary liked it, so she might go on. Let's talk about things I noticed before we switch gears. Teresa from New Jersey, I wanted to love her, but she's just a little too intense for me. There's some people who, when they touch you all the time, it's okay. And there's some people when they touch you, it feels like it's like grandma, like pinching your cheeks and like very, like, I don't know, like cold, clammy hands vibes, like just like two in your space. And I can't help but feel that way about Teresa. She is very in already. Gary's like, do you want to like icing off my feet? She's like, oh yes. And more than anything I do. I want to do that so badly. I'm like, oh my God, simmer down, Teresa. This is why women need to get laid at least maybe yearly. Even if it's by yourself, just simmer down or something. Um, he brought over a cupcake because it was her birthday night one, which I don't know if that would be fun or not to spend my birthday. Auditioning for a show essentially, but he brings over a cupcake, and I'm sure that she thought this was the first impression Rose. She was one of the women who knew what first impression Rose was, which also took me out. She's like, That's the first impression Rose. That's for the women that he's most impressed with. Like, no, it's not. All of you were equally impressive, Teresa. That's just for the woman who stood out to him. But it made me laugh anyways that that was her takeaway because, you know, it's like our parents' version of what we say to them. So she did her reveal where she said, I'm wearing my birthday suit for you. It's her birthday. I wish they said that in the beginning because it didn't make sense at first. And then she had on like a nude or flesh colored bodysuit under her, like, I don't know what it was, nightgown Too much for me, like I said. Just not my type, not into it. I have a feeling that she gets very invested and gets very upset when she's sent home. That's what my gut says, and that's what the clips are saying. I didn't love Jimmy Kimmel's aunt coming on. I didn't think it was necessary. It's like, oh, okay, so you can just be famous and just send your aunt on if they're a fan of The Bachelor. It felt odd. She was also making herself, and they made her the butt of the joke. You know, she had a different body composition than the other women. Um, Perhaps didn't do the, like, uh, aesthetic procedures that they do. The Botox, the upkeep. She was shorter. And it just felt like they were trying to make her be... Like the like the slob, like oh Gary, aren't you lucky that I'm not the one that's auditioning tonight? These women, my God! And it's like I ha- I just hated that she had to bash herself in the presence of these women because it's just not cool. She's beautiful, and to put her in there, it just felt weird. It felt off. That would be like me in a room with Victoria's Secret models. I'm five foot four, five foot five on a good day. Yes, I'm thin, but I'm not a double zero six foot two. I would feel out of place. A hundred percent. So I could I could do without that. They can they can skip the gimmicks. We have one hour. I would have rather seen Natasha or Sylvia's exit more than that. April, I have to say, if we find out mid season that her Facebook has some like controversial posts on it, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like she looks like she may have some opinion on some Florida matters. A couple of women actually look like that. Like they may post some very Karen-y posts on Facebook, but we will see. I have not heard anything of this yet, so I'm just playing it by ear. One of my favorite moments was Natasha and Gary laughing together. I watched it probably five times over and over again she is hysterical and she puts she doesn't care about how she looks doing things like she just puts her energy into being fun to be around and letting other people bring out that loose and fun side of themselves I hope that she gets more screen time I just am rooting for her a lot that's pretty much the biggest deal Kathy scared me she was the one who was, like, trying to compel Gary from a distance. She was like, Gary, pick me, Gary. Look at me, Gary. My hands are getting warmer. I feel that you're looking at me. You're not know, missing my signals. Like, she was just too much. So I'm wondering if producers wanted to keep her because she's so animated. She's just also not my cup of tea. Clammy hands vibe. You know, her and Teresa both, I just wouldn't want them too close to my face. Let's talk about Real Housewives of New York. Switch gears for a minute. I really don't have that, that many thoughts. Other than, I think Aaron and Cy are pretty much horrible. Like, I wouldn't mind if they are immediately just, you know, thrown out of the group. Um, I don't need to see them back next season. I hope that they both get read for filth at the reunion. I hope that receipts are brought up. Um, I just don't enjoy seeing them on the screen. Every time they are on the screen, they are doing something malicious or catty. At least it seems that way. This last episode, we see Jessel get talked about again by Aaron and Cy. It's like Dumb and Dumber or Freaking Frack. Like Dumb and Dumber or Freaking Frack at dinner, talking about Jessel's, you know, abstinence and sex and her marriage and weighing in on whether or not her marriage is over. And this is not the first time that it's been up for discussion. Them weighing in on Jessel's personal life, and I Jessel has brought up her postpartum depression and how hard things were for her after having twins. So to have such a unfeeling and unempathetic attitude towards her, it's just the disconnect in supporting women and understanding our health because that is at the back of their mind. Like, they are not worried about whether or not Jessel is emotionally ready to have sex, whether or not Jessel's body is physically able to have sex. Maybe it's painful. Maybe some things happened during birth that made things harder for her to be intimate. Those things happen. And instead of talking about it in a nice way and understanding, they have, like I said, no empathy They just think that Jessel needs to hop on the dick and get going and get her get back in the groove and that if she doesn't do something soon, she's going to lose it. You know, either Povet's going to cheat or just be done with her. And it's so, so mean. Erin finally gets a little bit of taste of what that would be like because when she asks her husband what would you do if we didn't have sex for a year and a half? He's like sleep with another woman. Like I would fuck another woman, obviously. And she's like what if I was going through something? He's like "Mm, get over it essentially. A year and a half is too long for you to go through something. And that is the reality of Jessel's situation. She is going through something. It seems like Pavit isn't forcing sex on her. He seems to be equally not into sex right now it's also not uncommon for men to not be able to look at their wives as sexual beings in the same way immediately after birth a lot of them like mother teresa their wives and she is now you know breastfeeding and the caretaker and she is now the head of household and i don't know it's not uncommon for men to speak about a mental shift that can happen and he just doesn't seem that motivated for sex either. It's not like he's always slapping her ass and making innuendos. He seems tired. The both of them seem like truly too tired parents to me and might even have nothing to do with Jessel and her medical status or, you know, that may not even be the point. And they still don't have the right to weigh in. They could simply be tired. A year and a half of parenting has took a lot out of them. They weren't prepared for the energy level. They barely find time for themselves. And sure, they can acknowledge that they would like to get back there but not upon judgment from friends and people on tv like that's like a them thing and Aaron and Cy project project their own feelings onto that apparently it would be a very big deal to them if their partner is going through something and I guess it's not in sickness and health it's like in sickness and as long as we have frequent sex it it was just odd I think it's ironic that Aaron and Cy think that Jessel's marriage is over because it's been a year and a half without sex from her husband. And I think that their marriage is over because Aaron, Abe has a 10 year plan not involving you. He's already decided that he's unfulfilled sexually um, and that would potentially like to step out in 10 years. And for Cy, Uh, There's rumors floating. There's rumors floating. So we'll just leave it at that. And her attitude, I can't imagine. I can't tolerate more than an hour of watching her. If she's like that at home, I mean, good luck. She even overpowers her daughter. Her daughter can't even have a moment without Cy overshadowing her, stealing the conversation, Good luck to them both. They're very judgmental, and I have a feeling we will watch if they do stay on the show. Their marriages decline, and I'll be interested to see the general attitude. That's not the only problem, though. Sai and Jessel meet up for a lunch together, and granted, Jessel is 41 minutes late. I believe she says, on Watch What Happens Live. Don't quote me. I, I tune in and try to listen, but I'm always doing other things. So I think she says that the lunch was actually for noon. So she wasn't late. You know, she was early. Um, and she was just early by like 10 minutes, but she was early. So regardless, she's late as depicted on the show for lunch. Irritating. Yes, I always picked her Nini at Pillow Talk, slamming the door shut when she sees that Kenya is late to her event. But it could really just stop there, okay? And then Sai has an attitude the entire time. Jessel can do nothing right. If she is vulnerable and cries, that's seen as dramatic. If she withholds information because when she talks about things it's hard for her and she may have a reaction or she just feels judged anyways, then she is told that she should be more vulnerable and she should tell the group more about herself because there's holes in the story. It's like there's no winning for Psy. Jessel attempts to fill in those holes, give more background on her family. Psy thinks it's a comparison game. To be fair... The way that they edited that film, yes, Jessel did mention size story, but not for the reason to compare. I really think that she wanted Sai to understand that she's not just someone who lived with a rich uncle and then she's getting her parents paid for her everything. No, she lived with her uncle. Um, he died. She feels tremendous guilt because she was there for him and unable to stop him from passing away from alcoholism. Um, she did everything on her own without her parents, and she can't say that without being compared to how Sai came up and Sai's inability to listen to anybody else's story is insufferable. The lunch ends with Jessel in tears as she has you know brought up the story of her uncle. She talks about how in her family, it's those types of things are judged. They're shunned and they're not talked about. They're not openly talking about alcoholism or the family's and air quotes, shameful things that they're doing behind closed doors. So for her to bring things up, it's hard out of a lot of repressing Sai's Like, okay, well, to be honest, I'm kind of, I don't care. I'm kind of tired of you comparing me. You can say that you're not, but it feels like you are. And I'm kind of done with this. Also, you asked me to meet you for a relaxing lunch. And it's Friday. It's my work day, not relaxing for me. And I'm out. And she basically left. And I'm paraphrasing, but it truly didn't sound any better from the the mouth of Psy. It, It landed that way. It was rude. I didn't like it. And then we see in a confessional once again Jessel's sex life. Sai asks her, you know, how was your hotel stay weekend with your uh, with Pahava? You know, did you guys do the deed? Did you have sex? And she's like, Yeah, we did. Um, it took a while though, because like for twenty minutes, I'm not even loosened up or worked up or anything. It's like the Mojave Desert down there. And she's like in a confessional just not enough details you know I feel like she's just trying to get us off her backs to be honest who wouldn't want you off their back at this point I'm just tired of seeing it I have mixed feelings about Bryn um it does feel like she is the friend who is kind of leading Jenna on I don't know I mean, her flirtations and her advances are funny and all, but she does treat Jenna different than everyone else in the group. And Jenna is the one woman who is not straight and she's openly gay. So it just seems odd that Brynn is sort of like seeking validation from Jenna with no intentions of ever being with her romantically beyond just innuendoing that they can finger bang or something. If Brynn feels open to feelings for Jenna then that's obviously void and null and I can't speculate on Brynn's sexuality but I can say that if she is straight as she presents herself and says she is and Jenna says Brynn is so clearly straight it feels like the straight girl playing with her gay friend's head a little bit and just not cool. I don't enjoy seeing that. I I would imagine if I'm if I am at a gay bar and Brynn comes up to me and wastes my time and I'm gay, I would be disappointed to find out that even where I go out to like find openly other gay people and another girl who's into me. And then here's Brynn looking for validation because she knows that she's attractive or whatever I like all of the depths of Brynn. It's just those things that just rub me a little bit of the wrong way. And if I notice it, I'm sure somebody else does. So let me know who's your favorite. Let me know who can leave. I like that Jessel was on Watch What Happens Live. Um, Last time she was invited on, she ended up not going and speaking on the show, but instead just watching Tyler Cameron from the crowd, which was kind of iconic. She brings up Bethany Frankel and how she's pretty much losing it, irrelevant, and grasping at straws. I lived for it. The whole audience cheered. I cheered internally. Bethany Frankel is white feminism. Her interview with Nini was terrible. I would refuse to watch it, refuse to give her any of my time, any of my money. I've just seen clips on TikTok. She speaks over Nini's experiences. She has no relatability factor. She was a terrible host advocate. I love to see the Bethany slander. So Jessel even more becomes the reigning champ of Roni in my eyes. I like her. I like Uba. Who else do I like? Those are my only favorite, too. I'm sorry. Those are my favorites. Those are who I watch for right now. Let's talk briefly about Love is Blind, because to be honest, I need to do a full episode with someone who watches the show, recap all of our problems, get validation on my opinions. But I just want to say what this has shown me in seeing other opinions on TikTok and kind of hearing people weigh in, is that reality is so interesting, reality television, because in most cases, there is no right or wrong in a situation. All of us are projecting our lens, perhaps through similar shared experiences or just similar experiences that we've gone through, onto the cast members, onto the storyline. And we have ran it through the filter in our mind to relate to them, um, to kind of put ourselves in their shoes unintentionally. And it's so interesting to see different opinions, whereas I would have used to be triggered by opinions that differ from me. I just find it interesting to gain perspective now. Like I used to get passionate, and I still do, obvi, check my TikTok, but about, you know, if you don't think this, then you're wrong. And it's like, I guess most situations are open to people's interpretation of them. And I won't say that if you feel some way about a certain situation, that you are a bad person. I think that people project without realizing it. I think that people may make a villain, not a villain in their mind because with their experience with a person like this it didn't go that way or they see some layer of empathy and humanity that they are adding that maybe is not deserved um but I just wanted to say that you know I'm kind of starting to understand reality television is really about finding people who you kind of like project your experiences onto a show with because you know I get tons of comments that agree with me or, and are in support of me, and I'm realizing we probably have some sort of mutual kindred or connection in the fact that we feel this way. It's more than just we watch the show and we are right, because as much as I think I'm right about every opinion I have, unless I come out and say I've changed my mind, which I am willing to do... There's a, like, if other people feel that way, we're more similar than just feeling that way. We feel that way for a reason. We've projected our experiences onto the show. With that being said, I think that JP is a horrible person on this show. How he communicates with someone who he built up a relationship and trust with is sad, Um I am willing to acknowledge that not everybody articulates themselves the same way. And that is an experience that I, I, I can't say that I've lived firsthand because I'm not JP. I don't know how he communicates. I know what he said. I know how that made me feel. It made me feel like he said exactly what he meant. Whereas so little people say the things that they mean when asked why did you stop communicating with me very flat out because of how you looked you looked fake you presented yourself with makeup i to be honest didn't expect you to wear makeup when we talked in the pods and a lot of people say that it wasn't makeup it's something deeper um you know he chose makeup because that's an easy cop out and an easy way to get by. And I absolutely accept that that's how some people view the situation. My experience in my life is men put a lot of stock into women's experiences. Men will invalidate us immediately by being disappointed by how we look. How it felt to me is he very clearly told her, I didn't want to talk to you because you weren't what I expected you weren't what I looked like, and uh, what he looked like in my head, and it made me uncomfortable. And for me, there's just no way I can ignore the fact that he punished a woman, and iced her out, avoided communication, made her feel uncomfortable, then made her feel bad about her appearance, all because the image he conjured up in his head and his preferences were different than what she presented herself. So for me, I I can't view the experience as other people do. I look at him and I see a man who is shallow, surface level. He seems MAGA. He seems like the typical MAGA guy who wants this skinny, blonde, blue-eyed, big boobs, country... Girl, That's what he seems like to me. He seems shallow and unnecessarily so because he's not nice in how he communicates things and he's not that attractive. And I tried to give him the benefit of the doubt from the get. I was like, he's cute. He's got something, you know, honest about him and just American boy next door vibe. No, to me. In my opinion on this podcast, unless we get other information, he said exactly what he meant. He meant that shit. Taylor didn't look how he wanted. She's unworthy of respect and uh, pursuing a relationship because he's disappointed and on to the next. And to be honest, as someone who has been full-figured before, there are people who have used excuses and other features about me as a way to not say that I don't fit the body composition they were looking for, and that could be it as well. And I think that Taylor is perfect. However, how he drew her, in my mind, I think he was just picturing something different altogether. So I don't like him. Moving on to the next person I have a massive problem with is Uche. Gaslighter from the very beginning. I have a hard time understanding how to feel because of how much dis- like misinformation we're giving we are just being deceived left and right do we really believe that producers and casting directors found no photos of Olivia not Olivia of Lydia and Uche together prior in their relationship. They'd been together three months, they'd met each other's friends and family, they clearly hung out together. Do we think that they really didn't know that? Or do we think that they wanted an a, something, some sort of plot twist this season that's not happened on a prior season? That's what it felt like to me. And because of that, I don't know how to feel about anything. Uche saying that I didn't cheat. We were never in a relationship. And him saying, if we were, well, Lydia would have mentioned my name. Well, I, how can I believe you when I believe that, that producers knew about both of you from the get and that you guys probably did disclose that you've dated? So if you tell one lie in your story, I can't believe the rest of it. So in my mind, how I'm perceiving the situation is Uche was with Lydia for however long, three months. She was doing girlfriend things. She was meeting his family. She was very into him. It wasn't necessarily reciprocated verbally. It doesn't sound like they got an I love you, but it sounds like in her mind, she was treated like a girlfriend and like it might be going somewhere. Whether she was told that we're keeping things open or not, we will literally never know unless Lydia has receipts and she wants to put them out there. And in which case I will eat that up and report back to you. But we don't know what I feel is that he's the type of guy who strings you along, who makes you feel like he's hanging out with you and you are priority and it might work out. And all the while, once you get attached and you've done all this stuff for him, you're doing his laundry, you're making dinner, you're doing sweet things. He's like, well, just so you know, we're not exclusive or anything like I've been seeing other people. So then you're like, "Okay, well, I have to see other people. But it's clear to me that he knew how Lydia felt about him. He was taking advantage of it. In the beginning, when Aaliyah finds out, and when he even talks to Lydia day one, he's like laughing and kind of happy to see her and hear her. Um... And he says to Aaliyah when she initially finds out, she's so deserving of love. I ended things because she deserves someone who fully pursues her and cares for her. It hurt me so badly when I did that. Mm, Make up your mind. You you, you, you dated for three months, but you weren't in a relationship. She's your ex, but not your ex-girlfriend. He loves to get off on just technical technicalities like he's like well I didn't say ex-girlfriend I said ex so therefore we're not in a relationship if you were talking to someone like him he would gaslight your sanity and it's like for that reason I understand why Lydia was the way she was I don't like how Uche talks to Aaliyah in the maybe top's hour of screen time he's gotten if you total everything up. I think he's despicable. Behind closed doors, how he presents himself, I, you know, sorry, I don't think it's very good. So, I'm not saying that what Lydia did was right, because that's the next portion. I do not like how she communicated with Aaliyah. Way too many details revealed. That's my main issue, is the the odd statements to make her sound like H B I C and Aaliyah the next girl who can come in with her permission, the condescending tone and just making Aaliyah even feel uncomfortable and smothered I have a, like massive problems with. We won't know whether Lydia was micromanaging Uche's next relationship or whether she saw Aaliyah talking to someone that she thought was a fucking shithead and she wanted to protect her. But how ironic that neither of them talked shit about one another to casting and the creator of the show is on People Magazine and saying they had glowing reviews of one another to have all of this drama later on. It's just giving curated Um, I don't, so I don't like how she did to Aaliyah. I can't get over that just on a girl's girl aspect. Um, it was odd. Now I cackled at how she handled being told that she was looking at other girls' Instagram stories. Like I said, we all project our own realities onto this. In my mind, a woman isn't really going out of her way and having the time for that unless she's been given a reason to distrust someone. And the argument stands, once the trust is gone, why not leave? But feelings are attached and people sometimes can't do that. And Lydia, as much as Uche said, oh, I kept talking to her after I knew I shouldn't have, she had a loss. Well, Lydia kept talking to him after she knew that she shouldn't have. And in her mind... She's seeing sex. It's making her curious. What else is happening? How serious are you and someone else? And she's looking. I would believe that she was probably just looking to see if he had another girlfriend. If you're keeping me around and you're literally booed up with someone, like holding hands, on dates, showing each other's faces on Instagram, that's the sort of curiosity I'm picturing. It doesn't make it not toxic or right, but I posted on my TikTok... um, We've either been there or know someone who's been there that's creeped around too many times. And the fact that she got caught, really, Uche? It's almost like I would believe that he reached out to the girls that he was sleeping with on the side and said, if you see this girl, just block her. She's crazy. Like, he seems like that type of guy. So just major side eye. On to Johnny. Sure, Johnny lied. Johnny lied in the pods. She mispresents herself. She says one thing to Izzy and one thing to Chris, and she tries to keep her baskets open for too long, and then she demeans the men. The other piece of that is we are watching a show where people are getting dumped, and you are competing for the same guy. We spend our days trying to not compare ourselves to other people, and not compare past relationships to current ones. And we have, you know, therapy and just self-reflection for that. In this experience, you have no choice but to, to compare yourself. It's similar to The Bachelor. Like when people don't find themselves acting how they normally do, I'm like, well, that's because you are in a highly emotionally toxic situation like you are you are held hostage to your situation right now and it makes sense to me so when I see Johnny talk shit about Izzy and his credit score I'm like I've heard my girlfriend say worse after a breakup and Was it wasn't on television no but it's not uncommon to diss the guy who just broke up with you and the way that Izzy treated her later on And the way that he said him and Chris have had comparison conversations, like I said, I'm projecting my meaning. It feels like they have talked negatively about Johnny, so much so that that was her conclusion. You guys must have talked negatively about me. And Chris seems like a smooth talker. Word on the street, through the grapevine, we'll say allegedly too, so I'm not saying anything out of pocket. Producers didn't like him, whether it's because he didn't want to cooperate and be on screen, whether it's because he was not nice, which is what I've heard, that he was a not nice guy. Um, I just don't feel like Johnny is in a fair situation. When Izzy lost it on her, it's giving more about him than her. Whether he is upset that he's still attracted to her, whether he is upset that she is okay without him and has moved on, whether he feels like he needs to prove to Stacy that your enemies are my enemies and this girl makes you insecure, so see how much I hate her, how much better you are. I'll, I'll diss her and I'll just berate her in front of you and get off on it. Mm, I just don't like that. I'm not saying Stacey's a bad person, I'm not saying Izzy is a bad person, but I don't like the way he talks to women and it would not be okay with me if my partner did that. And at the age I am now and at the healing I've done now, I wouldn't find joy over seeing my partner bash their ex in front of me. It would be different if Johnny had tried to kiss Izzy and he's like, whoa, I'm into Stacy." That didn't happen. It was very unnecessary. And he walked away. He's like, I just fucking railed her. Like, and she's like, "Stacy's like, why? Like, why are you so worked up right now? And he's like, well, because she said I'm sketchy and I'm not sketchy. And it's like, mm, you kind of are sketchy. You kept your lost and found on purpose, sort of. I I know that men do things because they're stupid, but he left it when he went in there and saw it. And he could have just hit it better, thrown it away. It just seems like he's keeping his options open. He's very much like I just got out of undergrad a few years ago. I just think they're in two different places. And Stacy's not wrong for wanting the luxuries, and he's not wrong for wanting the simplicity and somebody who will accept him giving the bare minimum finance wise and whatever if he thinks his dick and his dick game can make up for it and his compliments then so be it but i think stacy's on the right track when she was saying that she was getting a little bit more before i'm just not seeing end game from the two of them and then we have lydia and milton um milton did i mean they're almost hard to watch. I'm going to be honest with you. It's hard for me to watch and be interested by them because I can't figure Lydia out so much. And I felt like Milton was pressured into the engagement. She's like, I love you, baby. I want you. And he's like, okay, fuck it. You want to get married? Like, and then he's like, just the way he talks, like let's get Liddy. As soon as he gets home in his apartment, he's like ready to drink. He's just giving very young, very immature. And Lydia, stop ignoring red signs from guys. Please, just stop ignoring things that you know will be problematic later on. Um, They sure have like the intelligence factor in common and they, you know, this weird rock thing. She's a geologist. He studies rocks and microscopes. But in general, I just don't see it working out. When he said I had to piss in the urinal, when he was coming in on Uche and her's conversation, that made me laugh because he's just so like, what, what? And just the fact that he was texting, too, as he was having this conversation with Lydia and Uche on camera... And I don't know whether he was messaging to Lydia or whether he was just texting back his friend who they truly had plans with in 10 minutes, but he's just a young guy. He's young. He's not fully aware of everything yet. And long-term, I don't see that working. He needs to live his 20s in his little nerdy way that he wants to. And Lydia needs to find someone grounded after therapy. Let me know what all of you are thinking of this season Let me know what you think producers were going for. Drama, no resolution, no romance. I'm really not sure. We are already at three couples, maybe even two. Sometimes we have five couples on wedding day. Um, There's no mystery in this season. We get horrible reunions because Nick and Vanessa just don't have good host experience. They aren't well-spoken. You can tell that they have stuff being said to them in the mic. They are like, how can we make this about us? got to remind people who we are so I don't know if I have too many hopes for the rest of Love is Blind other than just seeing the ending seeing cast members check in on their stories and hopefully having somebody on the podcast but I'm curious to see if you feel emotionally drained from this season like how I do with that being said I was planning on getting into Set Boundaries, Find Peace this episode, but my voice hurts. I'm going to honor that. It's fall. Like I said, we're changing seasons, so this is your reminder to always listen to your body too. Whenever you can't finish something, just put a pin in it, pause. I will come back and do another episode, probably some sort of reality recap along with Set Boundaries, Find Peace, Chapter 2. Um, Message me if you're reading this. I want feedback. I want to know what you've loved so far, if it's helped you at all, if it's been encouraging, um, and what you're excited to read next. As always, I love each and every one of you for listening. I can't thank you enough for finding time in your weeks. Message me if you're a new listener. Let me know you're here so I can say love you, hello. Um, And if you've been here, you already know what it is. I will talk to you all later this week and have an amazing Monday.